Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount Plus. Paramount Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation. And we are back, folks. Another edition of the Michigan Recruiting Insider. Best team in the land when it comes to team coverage of the Maze and Blue scouting analysis, right? On-site coverage, team coverage. Uh, we got you covered A to Z over at the MichiganInsider.com. Certainly, if you're watching us on this YouTube channel or listening to us on the podcast channel, you know that the content that we produce is outstanding on these mediums as well. If you like this podcast, be sure to rate it. Be sure to review it. Be sure to tell all your friends about it. They can get it wherever they find their podcast. That's Google, that's Spotify, that's iTunes. Uh, if you're watching us on YouTube, be sure to like the channel or like the video, subscribe to the channel. That way you get a notification whenever any of our content with Devin Gardner, Vance Beff, I mean, you name it, Al Borges. We got guys all over the place providing outstanding second-to-none analysis, and you'll get an update when those videos drop. Of course, you want to keep track of it all. It all goes up. Your one-stop shop is the MichiganInsider.com, and pennies a day keeps you on top of every single thing. That comes from not only the crew here, but we also have Alejandro Zuniga and Zach Shaw over on the site as well. But let's introduce the team that's with us on the Recruiting Insider. Steve Lorenz, how are you? Good, Sam. Fall weather finally here. Right? It is. It is. But still, still golf weather, though? Still a little golf? <laughs> I don't really like the gray, uh, drizzly type stuff. I, I don't like rain. I, I golf for fun, not to, you know, I'm not good enough to play competitively necessarily. So I got you. I got you. All right. Well, Bryce, you would think that he was in the fall weather. He's actually down there in Texas right Texas. now to see a guy. Well, we aren't going to be talking about him. Uh, in this particular episode, but you're going to the second leg of your trip. You're going to see a guy that we're talking mm-hmm. about in this episode. How are you doing today? A solid, solid. It's uh, it's warm down here, and I understand I got the beanie on, but I like my hotel room cold. It's just <laughs> how I am. <laughs> All right. Well, with that, fellas, this episode dedicated to the rankings because it has a lot to do with people's appreciation for for the class, right? I mean – if some of the lower rated guys that, you know, three star outside of the top 300 guys are suddenly top two, four, seven guys, right? It starts to look a lot different. But then what if there are guys who were in the top 50 who are suddenly dropping out? Michigan is kind of on both ends of that spectrum right now. And so we're going to dive into that. We're actually going to have Alan True come on later in the episode as well to kind of talk about some of the things that are going on or some of the things that went into the rankings changes. But, Steve, let's kind of lay them out, the lay of the land as far as this latest rankings update is concerned. All right. So, yeah, quick rundown. Um, most, uh, As always, you know, Michigan's got, what, 25, 24 commits. Most guys stay relatively static. Uh handful of movers up. So Andrew Sprague is now just outside of the top 50. He moved up to 54th overall. Uh, Josiah Edmond, previously unranked, an 88 three-star, the the cornerback commit out of uh, Indiana, is now just outside the top 150. He made by far the biggest jump of any of Michigan's commitments in this update. 
Um, Edge, Devin Baxter also entered the top two four seven with a significant bump. Another like to me a no brainer. Um, Jordan Marshall, running back, one that I know fans on the board have been pining for for a while. Um, Allen will be able to elaborate more on that one. Moved up fifty spots. He's just inside the top one fifty. So those are the guys that made big moves up. Uh, as far as the downward movement, uh, quarterback. So Jaden Davis moved down, I believe, around forty spots. He's just he's outside the top one hundred now. Um, yeah, and then a um, couple other guys. Like the most of the other movements down were very were like guys that maybe a handful of guys moved up ahead of them. So I know Blake Frazier moved down a few spots. Brady Priestcorn moved down a few spots. Uh, Hogan Hansen moved down a few spots, but no like major downward movements um, in within the top two, four, seven. And then another pair of guys that Allen will be able to elaborate on in Jacob Oden and Jeremiah Beasley dropped out of the top two, four, seven. They were to be, to be fair. They were both like the very, like, I almost want to say Beasley was like number two, four, seven almost. Um, but both guys were at the very near the, near the bottom of it. And they were both bumped out, but kept their fourth stars. And from what I see and read in our update, uh, there were no other three stars besides Baxter and Edmund who gained their fourth star at this point. So guys that we've talked a lot about, like Cole Sullivan, uh, Dominic Nichols, a couple other guys, you know, that maybe we wondered about, uh, didn't Jaden Smith, uh, you know, guys that we, we wondered about that did not get there yet. So that's the, like you said, Sam, the general lay of the land right there. All right. So, uh, some pretty significant pluses and then some that leave you scratching your head. Like that Jaden Davis rankings change. Admittedly, I'm scratching my head over that one. I, I'm looking at the way Jaden Davis has played this season. I, at one point, he was the, the number one quarterback in the land. They've obviously moved him down some in a couple of years since that happened, but uh, he hovered and, and, and it was a five-star in the top 30. There is nothing that we've seen this year that would say that he is he, his his performance has lowered his profile, right? I mean, he has been he has been simply outstanding. I mean, like one interception on the year, he's putting up outstanding statistics. I mean, I guess the one thing that you could say was that is that his competition level isn't what some of the other guys say. I th- I think that's I'm trying to put my myself in the in the heads of the rankings guys. Our rankings team does a great job. Make no mistake. I just don't. I don't always agree with everything they say. Right? I mean, that's that's just how it how it works. And this is one where I'm like, nah, man. I don't. I don't get how he falls, and he is just killing it. Unless they would say, well, his competition isn't the greatest. But it, if you feel that way, then you feel like his competition never was the greatest, right? It's not like he's he switched schools. So. I don't know. That one that one kind of leaves me scratching my head a little bit, guys. Uh, but Andrew Sprague jumping up, um, JoJo Edmond jumping up, and Devin Baxter jumping up. Hell yeah. I mean, it, this is this is I said, and Sprague, who you're gonna see, Bryce, I mean, so big, but so mo- so athletic. And I think that's what's gonna come screaming from from the film that you get while you're out there. I, 
He's six foot eight, two hundred ninety five pounds. He can move. You know, he's agile for a big guy like that. He's he's got a great frame. He can easily probably be three twenty at the next level for Michigan. Um, and he looks like a prototypical left tackle in college. I mean, the crazy part about him is he's already got the intangibles and kind of the frame you want to work with, and he hasn't done a one day's work with Ben Herber yet. You know what I mean? It's it's just he is a ball of clay that is exactly what you're looking for. And I know when 24-7 at least looks at offensive linemen, it's not just, you know, how big you are and stuff. I, I think – let me back it up, though. And I think Michigan feels the same way, too. There's two ways you can approach offensive linemen. You can get them really big and work them down, or you can get them lighter and build them up. And we kind of saw that with Ryan Hayes, Sam. I don't know if you remember his recruitment. He was a tight end. You know, and Michigan built him up, and that worked out. Um, and you've seen some guys like Michael Ueno from Cast Tech. He was a bigger guy, and they kind of slimmed him down and played around with him, and now he's in the league. So it can work both ways. But when you look at Sprague, he's kind of in the happy middle of both, where he's not too big, but he's not too small. And he's got the perfect frame to where you can add the weight. He's a good knee bender. He's got long arms. And he's physical at the point of attack. And he finishes, guys. And he just, again, perfect fit for Michigan, especially what they want to do up front. I'm excited to see him, especially play against St. Louis University, which is one of the top programs in all of uh, the country. That's Ryan Wingo's school. So I'll have also an update on Ryan Wingo and kind of where things stand with him in Michigan. But, yeah, I'm excited to see Sprague. Yeah, and then, guys, uh, Steve, we've been talking about Devin Baxter. I remember we had Gene out watching him in the summer. He's like, and this dude's athleticism and his size is off the chart. It requires some projection, though, because he's not the size right now that he's going to be. Uh, but it, you, you look at his length, his explosiveness, if you have – a really good strength and conditioning program. I mean, sky's the limit for that guy. And I just remember what they did with Josh Uche, and this dude is longer than Josh Uche. He's one I'm interested, like, might be a guy that in my might not be done moving up, depending on who gets to actually see him live and when, right? Because, yeah, I mean, the the attributes, the physical attributes that he has are pretty much like, I think, what Michi- if Michigan could create you know, a, a frame to build on at that edge spot. I think it would be something like what Baxter has, right? As you said, Sam, six six. I mean, a lot longer than Josh Uche, six six. Um, great basketball player too. So he's got that other that two. You know, Michigan really likes the dual sport, uh, especially. Up, I, I think they like the guys up front that play dual sports. Uh, but either way, yeah. I mean. Can't really call him the sleeper of the class anymore now that he's in the top 247. I think he would have been the – if he had stayed where he was, I think he'd have been maybe not the sleeper, but the guy who was going to outdo his – like the guy who was most likely to outdo his ranking. Again, we talked before. At this point, there's like a, a legit like list of guys su- succeeding in the NFL from Michigan at the edge position. The development they've had there, and you get a guy like this – and you give him a year or two, like you said, yeah, he's got to put some weight on for sure. We know Michigan excels in that department as well. Just like all the pieces of the puzzle are there for him to have a very, very successful college career. So, yeah, well-deserved well, well deserved 
moved up, uh, move up, particularly again, our rankings are derived from an NFL type projection, which is another reason why I'm not convinced that he won't move up a little bit further at some point, because again, you can't guys like this are not, you can't find them around every corner, you know, and, and Michigan's success there gives him the best chance to live up to an even higher ranking than what he already has. Yeah, and JoJo Edmond, we told you guys, we told you guys that when they got JoJo Edmond, that this was a dude who was moving up boards, right? This was a guy who they had had on in the summer. Go back and watch that episode. It's easy to find because we, you know, there was a little hiatus there. It was one of the last episodes we did in the summer. Uh, you know, like right before or after he committed. It's like, like they had had him at camp, so they were kind of sitting on it, sitting on him as they were going through the paces with my man down in uh, Springfield, Ohio, committed to Ohio State, right? You know, he was at the top of the board, was number one guy, and you run the race with him. All the while, JoJo Edmond had come to camp and had showed out, committed to Purdue. You got to love Ryan Walters, outstanding spotter of talent. You guys see what another player I was talking about last year, Devin Witherspoon. You see how he's killing it with the Seahawks right now. You see how I always talk about, um, you know, Kirby Joseph with the Lions. I mean, he had a, another couple of safeties. And Ryan Walters can spot DBs. Just like, you know, you would, if Iowa offers a tight end, you're like, okay, that dude can play, right? Aren't you like that dude can play? Ryan Walters offers a DB. I don't give a damn about the rankings. That dude can play. And Michigan had already seen JoJo Edmonds. So he was a receiver. There were reasons why he was a receiver. He kind of kind of moved to school. And and now he switches over to corner. And so there was a reason why things were depressed. But as more teams saw him, more teams start to go on him. And then when Michigan came to the, uh, came to the fore, they flipped him. And they knew they had a dude. So it wasn't like it was this major consolation prize. This was a guy... Quite frankly, Steve and Bryce, I think they would have gone on anyway. You know, even if they had, you know, landed their other guys at the at the corner position, he was such an intriguing talent because he's so long. He has that he has that fluidity like that you like to see in a long guy. He has tremendous ball skills as well. I felt like they would have gone on him anyway. And now you see that the rankings, Steve, they really love him too because he was he the biggest jump. Among the Michigan guys? Yeah, probably by, I mean, from an 88 to, I believe, a 93 four-star. I mean, that's, yeah, yeah, 92, sorry. So, yeah, biggest jump. Yeah, biggest jump and telling you, uh, they feel like this is going to be a guy who winds up being, I guess he won't even count as a steal anymore. (laughs) He won't count as a sleeper in the class anymore now. I guess the, the secret is is kind of out, but a ball player, a guy who in a position to need, uh, and a guy who I really think, um, you know, you're just scratching the surface of. I know you say that about a lot of prospects, but relative to what they, you know, the rankings guys thought he would be initially, he's just scratching the surface. You remember he just switched over to corner last year, so that is a very very significant one. Steve, before you bounce out, I know. Um, uh, Jordan Marshall uh, is another one. He's going to actually get a chance to see him right here in the state. He's been killing it. He's now the all-time leading rusher in Moeller history. And then Moeller's had dudes, right? Moeller's had dudes, dudes. Like, this is an unbelievable program. 
across the sports lines. Barry Larkin, Ken Griffey Jr. You look at yeah. Michigan history, Veda Murray is a Mueller guy. I mean, this is a storied program. So you come out of there and you're the all-time leading rusher. You have done something. He is an, a legit, legit ball player who could come in and play as a true freshman. That's how good he is. But before you go, Steve, pick out a guy who you're, you stand on the table for that not of the guys that are have moved up or down in the rankings right now, but guys that you look at in the class and you say, you know what, rankings team at 24-7, you need to do something about this. Who would you stand on the table for right now? Oh, yeah, the guys that we where we is at 24-7 have them ranked, I would probably go with Jaden Davis, the outside linebacker uh, from Charlotte. I just – yep. Uh, yeah, Jaden Smith. Big, big-time – potential there another one who i believe the composite has him a lot he's ranked quite a bit higher in the composite than he is by 24 7 sports i believe michigan likes him more than they liked a lot of other linebacker targets that ended up elsewhere uh i think you know what's interesting with him could project to a few different spots i i I do think it's either linebacker or edge for him but another guy with that the prerequisite of elite athleticism that Michigan just wants can can use their experience to coach up and turn into a star player. So he'd probably there are a few, and I think particularly on the defensive side of the ball, but he's probably the one for me that I look at and say, I mean, watch him four star for sure. Like Bryce, who I'm, you standing who, who you standing on the table for? Uh, I would say two. I'd say Cole. I know we've talked about Cole quite a bit, so I won't go too much in him, but I'll, I'll give my sleeper pick. I think Emmanuel Beagle. I think that's a guy that has tons of potential. And I think he's just, you talk about, again, scratching the surface, six foot five, 285 pounds. And Sam, I mean, it's not just me that feels that way. Georgia offered him. Penn State offered him. Texas A&M offered him. So some big schools saw that potential and said, hey, this is a guy we can work with. And they even liked him but off the line, not even defense line. So this is a guy that I just – I'm a huge fan of. I know we don't have him super highly ranked because he's super raw and he's still learning the sport, but he could be one to watch. Hey, you know, over the years, it's not like we always talk about underrated guys. I've talked about guys who I felt were overrated, right, it, or, or basketball and football. It's like I think our guys at 24-7 value this guy too high. So it's not like it's always one way. But I am convinced that Cole Sullivan isn't just a, you know, a, a guy who should be. He's a top 100 guy. That's Cole Sullivan is a top 100 player in this country. And so even if he doesn't move up, I think the fans, uh, Michigan fans who look at this class and you talk about the rankings, boost Cole Sullivan up. And you're like, I'm telling you sure as the day is long, I am standing on the table telling you that this dude is a ball player and when his career is over barring any injury or whatsoever you will be able to go back and say that dude was one of the best guys in this class not michigan's class one of the best guys in the 24 class nationally you will be able to say that he's long he can run he's explosive he's smart Uh, he he gives you all the pieces to the puzzle and i'm telling you when he gets to michigan I don't know if it's as a true freshman because you know how big will he be. He's like 200-something pounds. So it might, it might be redshirt freshman season. But before it's all said and done, 
Cole Sullivan is going to be a ball player that is regarded as one of the best in the 2024 class. You mark my words. So I disagree with 24-7 on that. We love 24-7. Respect our guys. They do an unbelievable job. Better than anyone. Better than all the rest. But on Cole Sullivan, I don't think they're on this one. Not 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 like in a way where you should, as a fan, should be looking at it like, ah, oh, we, you know. No, you got a ball player in him. And I think maybe for the end of the season, maybe they'll see what we see too. But, Steve, I know you got a scoop. So, folks, we got to get to this break. We come back on the other side. We'll be joined by Alan True, part two, talking about the rankings here on the Michigan Recruiting Insider. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. You ready, Bob? Well, all right. Audiences are raving. Bob Marley is electrifying. It's the feel-good movie of the year. You dig? Bob Marley, One Love. Rated PG-13. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. Baseball has begun, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today in 5, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Sample, every Monday through Saturday as we deliver all of your fantasy baseball needs in just five minutes. We'll break down the biggest performers, news, and prospects who could make an impact this season. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found. And we are pleased to be joined by one of the best guys in the land when it comes to not only ranking players, getting across the country to see the top guys, but tell you what, you can ever see if it is in his stand-up act. You know, he's second to none there as well, talking about my guy, Alan True. Alan, how you doing? Hey, I'm good. I was uh, I didn't know I was going to be on camera, and I got nervous about wearing a beanie, but then Bryce <laughs> Helped me out with his hunter safety yeah. hat, so I don't feel so bad. <laughs> I hear that, man. So yeah. uh, rankings release today, and you know, whenever we do the 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 rankings, it's always good to have a guy who has, or one of you guys who has a hand in the rankings, come on and kind of talk a little bit about it. So before we get into the specifics of who's up and who's down. To the extent that you can share with the with the viewers and the listeners the process of how guys move up, how guys move down, how often do you adjust the rankings and kind of what goes into the whole process? Yeah, so we have um, a massive spreadsheet, which actually we are going to end up getting a probably a little bit better of a system eventually here. But we're all there's constant dialogue on that. Every player has a has a row in there and. We can talk about who needs to go up, who needs to go down. And the discussion within that isn't even always up and down. It can just be, hey, I just went and saw this kid. This is what he did. Uh, we put links in there. If there's, you know, here's a couple clips that, that came out of uh, new information. We put data in there. Um, if it's track data or if it's from camps or events that we trust, um, all the information we can gather. And, and by we, I mean the recruiting team. Uh, of regional guys. And then there's a, a four person national team who takes everything that we send them and they compile it. And it's just like a college staff. Sometimes the position coach wants to offer somebody, but uh, maybe the OC and the head coach don't see eye to eye with them on that. And then they battle it out. It's the same for us. The regional guys make suggestions. Um, sometimes they are, I mean, they're always taken into account, but the national team doesn't always agree with us. So I want to make that clear off the bat. This is not solely my endeavor. Even within my region, um, there's a lot of uh, checks and balances. I think it's good because we get close to these guys. Um, 
you know, in case just Jacob Odin as an example, Jeremiah Beasley as an example, we've known those families for as long as we've been in the industry. And so it's hard not to have some bias. You try to remove it as best you can, but that's why it's always good to have this, this, this national team who doesn't know those guys from anybody else constantly combing through everything. So the, these, these big releases happen throughout the year, but the, the ebbs and flows of this, I mean, you see it on rankings release day, but this stuff, we're, we're having a dialogue about this every day. We have weekly meetings on it. Mm-hmm. All right. So let's start off with the guys who made jumps in, in the rankings from your region, Alan, starting with a guy that Bryce is going to see in the second leg of his trip, seeing Blake Frazier first in Texas, then making his way up to Kansas city to see Andrew Sprague, who's playing Ryan Wingo's team, by the way, but Sprague makes a jump. What was behind that, Alan? What do you think Andrew Sprague is a player? Yeah, I think he's, I mean, the wheels have been in motion for him for a while. Um, he was initially, I believe, kind of a back-end top 247 guy and then moved his way up quite a bit and then continues to move up. I think a lot of that is the natural progression you want to see. When, when we first came across him as a prospect, he was this basketball big man who was probably just about 250 pounds and he did some pretty special things on the court where we knew he could get to this point. But you also don't know how a guy's body is going to react when he puts 40-plus pounds on, right? And so I think as he's grown into more of a Big Ten-looking offensive tackle, I think he's put even more weight than that on. He's continued to keep the athleticism. And now, you know, where the initial evaluation was this guy's developmental, he now is this 6'8", 300-plus-pound guy who might be able to step in and help you right away or be more of a red shirt guy. And then he's starting four years after that. And so I think that's where the evaluation on him has changed is as he's added the weight, he's done it in a good, healthy way and been able to keep his athleticism. And the tenacity continues to, to fire there too. You know, he's, he's not a basketball player playing football. There's, there's definitely um, some nastiness to him when he watches film. Who's your comp? I didn't see your, your scouting for who's your comp for, for Andrew. Well, I trying to remember who I came up with off the bat. Um, Oh, who was it? I'm going to, I'm going to have to look it up. You know, I would say off the top of my head too, as far as like a Michigan guy, Ryan Hayes was a 240 pound tight end when we first, when we first uh, Saw saw him. And I think that, Andrew is even a little bit further ahead of where Ryan was developmental wise. And I think he's got Ryan is um, Ryan is a really, really nice kid too. And I'm not saying that Andrew's not, but Andrew really plays with some attitude. He does not play like a nice kid. So I, I gave him Spencer Brown. We went to Northern Iowa, same deal, you know, underdeveloped high school guy, which is why schools did not recruit Spencer Brown heavily. And then he goes to college and he adds all this weight. So Sprague's already added the weight earlier than Spencer Brown too. But sometimes, you know, what we find, we've just had this discussion. If you look at NFL offensive tackles, there's not that many at 6'8". A lot of them are 6'5", 6'6", 6'7". There does get to a point where you get too tall mm-hmm. or you have to be a pretty exceptional athlete at 6'8", to make it happen. So there's only so many guys you can comp them to. And Spencer Brown being 6'8", pushing 6'9", and still athletic and flexible enough to play offensive tackle in the NFL. I think that was partly why I gave uh, Andrew that comp. Uh, Jordan Marshall. Jordan Marshall made a little, got a little bump, didn't he? 
Yeah, uh, I, Michigan fans are going to immediately say that it's not high enough. <laughs> and uh, I might agree with them on that. I mean, I think he's done everything he's needed to do to earn his way up the rank. I mean, he, he can't almost can't do anything else. He was outstanding at camps, tested extremely well at those events, caught the ball extremely well, goes out in track season, runs very well on the track. And then he's once again, you know, posting good statistics in the season. And there's no real cupcakes on Moeller's schedule. So right. it's not like he's, you know, we're, we're concerned about the competition level. So all of that put together, I mean, I think it's, he's in Michigan's class, that's one of the safer bets to be a productive, you're that productive against the competition that he plays against. And you're that instinctive and you have the track speed, I think, uh, very, very high floor for Jordan Marshall. You went out to see him uh, this season, Bryce. I mean, lived up to the building, right? He's Yeah, and you, you talk about the competition. I saw him against Ben Davis, which is, I mean, legit. They have D1 talent across the board. And first carry of the season, he took it 75 yards. And, that, and he breaks the tackle against um, Mark Zachary, who's a top 247 prospect that I act really love i know we have him high as well the 2025 class but yeah i think the biggest knock that maybe and i'm not saying this is why he's not higher up has always been the speed thing you know maybe that's the thing but as alan just said his track times seem to be getting better and he's got game speed you know i don't think he's ever gonna be a tyreek hill type of player but he's productive he does what michigan wants to do as terms of running back he can catch the football he can pass block. He can, you know, get the four yards or he can get that 10 yards. He can do everything. And he just fits the mold of what Mike Hart is looking for in terms of running backs. So you say track speed. Like, what, what were his uh, latest track times, uh, Alan, before the I'm, season? I'm pretty certain that he was. Let me look it up. I'm pretty certain he was under He was under 11 in the 100. Okay. So I think there's, I, for me, the speed is not a concern. Um, and he ran, he ran on the laser at UA. He ran in the four fives, which is, is good. Very good on a, on a laser time in high school. Um, so let me look at him here. He's, yeah. And, and his size, if he's sub 11, he's 10, he ran 10, seven, four. Uh, come on, man. <laughs> so that's, yeah, yeah. He can, he's, I'm just saying that's one of the things I've heard. I'm not saying I agree. I'm just saying that was one of the things. And probably the other knock I heard, too, was the size. But, I mean, who's doing the knocking? (laughs) Who's doing it? There's some Buckeyes. Got to be some Buckeyes. (laughs) Got to be. Got to be some Buckeye sour grapes. Talk about his speed and his size. I mean, you you want a guy with with his profile as a running back you know he has that that low lower center of gravity, but he's not short. Like you want to, you want your running back to be able to play with with leverage to be able to move power. He's powerful and he's fast. And what I like about him, Allen, his vision. Like you know, a lot of running backs, you tell them where the hole is in high school, and that's where they go. This dude runs with vision too, and has good feet. I mean, he he has the tools. He's just not a – I mean, I guess if you want to knock, he's not a 10-3, 10-4 guy. He's not Travis ATN. But that's not his style anyway. Right. So I think when you talk about a guy like Jordan and you say, like, why is he not higher? It's hard to find – you're not going to really find knocks to say he's not this, he's not that. It's just a matter of 
who's ahead of him. It's just maybe the guys ahead of him uh, have have a little bit more on the trait side or a little bit more on the production side or something. It's like talking about the difference between a second round pick and a fourth round pick. Sometimes it's not that great. Um, and so I think that when you when you get into the area that Jordan is ranked, you'd be hard pressed to take anybody in the top 150 to 175 and say, what's wrong with these guys? It's not necessarily that there's any glaring knock. It's just that maybe there were running backs ahead of him that the national team preferred. Gotcha. Gotcha. So, no, they got a really good, and like you said, I think really safe bet uh, with him. I feel that way about Cole Sullivan, too, by the way, folks. So we talked about Cole Sullivan. first. I feel Cole Sullivan is a real safe bet, too. But I'll, I'll argue uh, with – that's Doan's region, so we'll argue with Doan about that. Yeah, uh, I'll, I'll throw his number in the chat. <laughs> <laughs> All right. But a guy who made a big jump, and we talked about – so Michigan loses out on Aaron Scott. Uh, I started talking immediately about a guy who they had had at camp, who they really liked, who was committed to another school, and who they were going to move on. And it was JoJo Edmond. They moved on. He came to camp, was outstanding. Michigan kept a, kept their eye on him. Uh, and I actually think even if they had gotten Aaron Scott, that they would have come back around and moved on JoJo Edmond anyway, Allen, because he has that kind of profile, that kind of athletic upside. You could kind of see and rationalize how he had kind of made a transition to the position and his best football, even more so than a lot of prospects, was very much ahead of him. So trying to tell people that this is not just your run-of-the-mill consolation prize, that this would be a dude. And judging by the rankings, sounds like you guys on the rankings team agree that this is a dude that Michigan got in their class in JoJo Ed. Yeah, and we've discussed him as a mover uh, for a long time. And so I want to make that clear. Even when he was committed to Purdue, we were ready to move this guy up. And he did move up, you know, quite a bit within the three-star range. It started at Under Armour, Ohio, another same event Jordan Marshall went to. I mean, um, JoJo's 6'1", 180 pounds at that thing, uh, you know, long, long arms, ran 4'6 on the laser, 4'5 shuttle, you know, over 30-inch vert. So you're talking about a guy with a lot of athletic gifts there. We kind of wanted to see what he would do during this season, you know, move to a new school, um, see what they were going to do with him position wise. And then he went to Wayne State's showcase and was excellent. So it wasn't surprised that he then went to Michigan's camp and impressed them because he had been really good at all the different camps that he'd been to prior to that. Um, so then during this season, I mean, he's been a jack of all trades. He's got two picks on the year. He's run for 300 or he's uh, caught 26 passes. He's Caught three touchdowns, run for three touchdowns, returned punts for touchdowns. The game I was at, he forced the fumble. I don't. We don't know that he's a corner. Um, he's playing deep safety right now at Northwood. I, I could see where you would give him a shot at corner, but I think you like that if he that doesn't work out, can't do that, or he just outgrows him. He's a big kid, so he's six one one eighty. If he puts on another 15, 20 pounds, you're moving into safety territory. Uh, it was a little bit hard for me to assess how I think he'll do at corner, given that he was playing deep safety when I saw him. But I think there's very little doubt that he has the potential to be an impact guy. And uh, so we feel comfortable with him as a top 247 guy, regardless of what position he ends up playing. I can't tell you that he couldn't play a little offense, too, from time to time. Right. But it reminds you of the same profile as you know, you start with Jabril Peppers, and I don't think he's in that stratosphere when you talk about high school prospects. But the same thing with Kalik Hudson. Uh, you like your safeties and your hybrids and your nickels. Uh, you like those guys to be able to play a little offense and have some ball skills and some some athleticism. 
So you know, Clink, Clink's gonna try to do the corner. I mean, he look at DJ Waller and and kind of the run that he's getting. And DJ Waller is a bigger kid than this. I'm I'm curious when you go back to Under Armour Ohio. Aaron Scott was at that camp. How did not that you were necessarily looking at them head to head to head, but in retrospect, how did how did the two line up? Because you know, again, Aaron Scott, they were kind of holding out to see what happened with him. And then they moved on JoJo. I think they would have moved on JoJo anyway again. How did those two guys kind of compare? Yeah, you know, I, th- I do think we, when we were at that camp, and, you know, there yeah. were, Terion Nichols was at that camp. A couple other, you know, high-end corners. And I think what what brought us to JoJo's attention was that, well, he's not out of place with these guys. He belongs with this top group. Um and now I will say this, some of those guys like Aaron Scott and Nichols and some of those guys were a little bit football rusty because it was track season. And some of those guys were running track during the week. Some of them had a meet the day before and still came to that event. And you could see where it affected some of them. I think Aaron Scott's an extremely high end prospect. Um, but we certainly saw that the gap between JoJo and those kind of guys was was not as great as what the rankings reflected at the time. Yeah, so that's that's a dude that they got, you know, you know, not more more than a consolation prize. Now we get into some of the guys that that we know that we've known for a long time. We've we've looked at Jacob Oden grow up, for instance, right? And so talk us through uh, that one because athletically, I mean, he's bigger, he's stronger, he's faster, he can really move, really fluid guy. What was it? that sort of had him drop a little bit in the rankings. Yeah. So I think, you know, when I talked to the national team about this, they, we added like 20 some guys to the top two, four, seven. And so when you do that, guys are going to get displaced. If you're at the back end of the top two, four, seven, you could get moved down 24 spots or so without doing anything. Just there were that many new guys like Jojo Edmond, who we evaluate it as, hey, these guys need to be higher, and they move in, and it moves guys down. And that seems like a big demotion, but it's really, it's not quite what it seems. I think that was the case with Jacob Oden. We watched him when I when I threw his film out there. The team was like, it's good film. We just like some other safeties better. And I think it is guys like JoJo who um, have timed a little better, or show some versatility. I think that Jacob is a big physical guy who they, who our team felt like he's going to be more of an in the box safety. And there's some guys above him that there's some guys that were under him that they thought, uh, you know, belonged above him. So it wasn't anything that he did. I think he's having a great season. The team thought he was having a great season, but uh, just found some guys beneath him, like a Jojo Edmond who we thought deserved to go up. All right, same question for Jeremiah Beasley, who, uh, again, is doing it on both sides of the ball for Belleville. Yeah, I think the same deal, just displacement of other guys moving up. And um, so people are going to – people always uh, question that. They don't like to take that as an – they want us to give a, like, he's deficient in this area, and that's why he moved down. But that's the truth of the matter is when you add almost, you know, 25 to 30 new guys into the rankings, it's going to push some of them down. So Jeremiah's had a good season. Um, I think just compared to some of the other backers who moved up, the national team, again, felt like there were guys with some higher upside. I think in the case of Jeremiah and Jacob, you know, the 
words I kept hearing with them are like high floor guys. Like, you know what you're getting They're They're, you know, fantastic high school football players. They're guys who will contribute for Michigan. But I think the team wanted to take some shots on some guys who are maybe more on the raw side, but had some uh, athletic traits that can kind of still be cultivated at the next level. Not to say that those two guys don't, but those are the kinds of guys that I think the, the national team wanted to bet on a little bit more. Yeah, I know you saw Bryce, you saw Brady Priestcorn to start the season, right? And it just feels like that that dude who we watched him last year, we watched him be a, this this big play guy, and we saw all the upside and got what the fuss is about. You saw that out the gate uh, to start the season, right? So before we get into Brady Priestcorn, what did you think when you went out to see him earlier this year, Bryce? He's everything you're looking for in a tight end. 6'6", six, six, um, I think he's around 230. And he's physical. He's got a great catch radius. Uh, it's kind of a tough evaluation. And maybe it, he's a tough eval for the simple fact of they don't throw him the ball tons. That's just not their offense. And so even when they do, it's not like he's got a five-star quarterback throwing him the ball either. So he's, I mean, the game I saw, he only had like two catches, you know. And at that point, you're kind of like, He's not getting the ball. I see, but he does so much more for his team. You know, when I watched him, it was against Orchard Lake St. Mary's, and he had back-to-back sacks to basically seal the game for them and get the win. Um, so he's got a great motor, and again, he's just he's got a huge frame. He fits what you're looking at the tight end position, and I like what he does off the football field. I actually went to see him during the winter play basketball. I'm like, this guy is physical. You know, he's down low, getting rebounds, pounding on these guys. You know, he's more athletic than you think he is just by looking at him. And he's a multi-sport athlete. That's what Michigan likes, you know, especially at the tight end position and other positions. So I'm a huge fan of him. I think this is a layup, regardless of the rankings or not. This is where, you know, Alan says or you say he's a safe bet. This is just automatic. You know he's going to be great in college. And regardless of rankings or not, this is one guy Michigan fans should be extremely excited for. So this this just another example of being displaced a little bit again, Alan? Yeah, I think there's a little bit more cause on this one, just kind of what you guys were talking about. I think when I brought him to the table, nowadays, and we talked about this with the draft a little bit too, the tight end position is one now where it's like there are so many 6'4 to 6'6, 230 pound power forward types. They're all freakazoids. And I think in Brady's case, when you compare apples to apples with some of the other tight ends nationally, there's guys out there catching 40, 50, 60 balls a year. It's not his fault, but when you compare film to film, there's just less to go on with him right now. Yeah, see, he plays at Adams, though. He's never right. he's never going to get those that many. So, while I realize that and I've brought that to the table, it is easier to evaluate some of these other guys who get all of these opportunities. And some of those guys have been to camps. Those guys have been to seven-on-sevens. Those guys have verified speed times. Brady's never been a camp guy, never been a seven-on-seven guy. So I think for him to even be where he is without the benefit of any of that tells you what we think of him as a prospect. Just in terms of film from this year, that was a guy when, when he came up in the discussion – the national team kind of went, well, Alan, how, how do we even see anything on this guy right now? Like, there's not updated film. Not, I had to have him go watch what Bryce shot, hmm. honestly, in order for them to be even be able to get a couple of clips out of being able to see him. So 
It was just that he was, he's a difficult eval right now. And I would hope by the end of the year, we're able to pull some full games and be able to get a better grasp on, on him. So I think that's with him, it's just like incomplete kind of body of work. I don't even want to say body of work. It's just been hard to see enough of him this season to compare him to some of these other guys who, like I said, if you're getting, you know, double digit targets elsewhere. I'm looking at the guys above him and some of these guys play in extremely pass happy offenses. It's just a lot easier to see what those guys can do. Yeah, man. Well, all right. So we got to go see, we got to go get some more footage of Brady, <laughs> of Brady Bryce. That's what that, that boils down to. Cause you, you may have to pull him onto an auxiliary field and have him run the route tree. <laughs> Cause that dude, I remember the, when I went to see him last year, Bryce was like, you sure? It's like, I don't think you're going to give me any highlights, Sam. And they threw it to him that night because they were playing West Bloomfield. They threw it. He caught a couple touchdowns uh, in that game, right? So, you know, it's just going to be few and far between because of their style of play. But this kind of goes to, you know, you got to look behind the numbers a little bit with Michigan's class for a few different reasons, and especially when you consider how good they have been on the eval side of things. You, you got to feel pretty good about some of the upside they've got in this class, uh, Mr. True. So on the way out, two players I want to ask you about. One committed already, one not committed, but Michigan tracking both at the same position. So Amarion Stewart, right? That's a guy, you know, a guy that Michigan scouted at their camp, loved his versatility, loved his ability to be a playmaker offensively. What have you thought of Amarion this year? So we – Watched him pretty closely in seven on seven. And it was a case where like he did well in seven on seven being on that boom team that had so many different guys. You had Talon Taylor, who Michigan's after in 2025. You had Kyan Barry Johnson, who's committed to Wisconsin. You had a whole bunch of dudes. He did very well. I just don't think it was quite enough to get him into that 90 range. He started the game I went to a couple weeks ago. You know, he had a two punt returns called back for touchdown and they kind of ran away with the game. So you didn't get to see much this past week. They lost against Morgan Park, but he was extremely explosive. I mean, he scored just about every time he touched the ball. I think that's what we want to see. So more games like that. And I think he's going to put himself in the discussion for a, a 90. I think it's taken him a moment to sort of get acclimated at Kenwood, new school, new competition, new surroundings, new quarterback, new everything. And it looks like he's hitting his stride now. So last week was a, a huge step in the right direction. And then Nitro Tuggle, we've talked about him on a few different episodes. It seemed uh, like you're ice skating uphill when he was at IMG for a period of Michigan recruiter. But then he comes back uh, to, to Indiana. He's teammates with, with JoJo and the talk has been consistent that Michigan is going to be able to get him on campus for the Ohio State game. Now, remains to be seen. And even if they do, it's still Georgia that you're trying to practice. So it's not like it's going to be the slam dunk, even if you do get him on campus. But what do you think of, of Nitro Tuggle as a player? And, I mean, puncher's chance that they can get him on campus? I mean, what would you say? Yeah, so first when I went to that game, you know, for two guys who, this is JoJo's new school, they seemed tight from the start. When I, when I was there at Northwood for a game, really, really athletic, good prospect. I mean, about as elusive of a outside type receiver as we have in this class, um, really dynamic on, on screens and on short passes, but can go get the ball. So a little bit, you know, physically, I think still has some filling in to do, 
Um, but, but it's starting to do that. He's already more filled out now than he was a year ago. He was a pretty skinny kid when we first evaluated him, but he's got a lot of natural tools. Uh, extremely dominant against the competition they play. I think we, we wanted to see him against better competition. He did that at UA and was excellent there. I think he's going to get an opportunity to show that again, the postseason all-star game. And so I think he's, uh, I mean, you see the way he's ascended in the rankings over the course of the last year or two. Uh, super, super high upside prospect. And I do think that, hey, again, you get any kid on campus, there's a puncher's chance, but I think his friendship with uh, JoJo, um, the fact that Michigan's in the Midwest in Big Ten country, although he was ready to go to IMG and very excited about Georgia. So I don't think distance is a, necessarily right. a huge factor for him. But um, if Michigan can show him that there's some immediate opportunity and, uh, and and JoJo keeps the recruiting hat on, I think puncher's chance is a good way to describe it. Gotcha. All right, Alan. Hey, man, we appreciate you taking the time with us. and. We'll have to check back in with your early signing period to kind of see where these guys wind up. I appreciate you having me on. Any opportunity I can get to talk about how little I'm involved in the rankings process, I'm <laughs> happy to take. And basically, that's Alan saying, don't call me. <laughs> call me, yeah. don't call me. Ryan Doan's number's in the chat. I'm kidding. He doesn't have much to do with it either. But <laughs> I appreciate it, guys. <laughs> All right, that was Alan True. Uh, appreciate your time, folks. Uh, thanks for watching another edition of the Michigan Recruiting Insider. Uh, before you go, got to let you know that when you come to town, the best way to travel is with our friends at Golden Limo. You have to understand that when you ride on Golden, you're riding just not just a little bit different. You're riding a lot different on Golden. Kind of like I did. Back early, uh, first game of the year, uh, you know, I, I have to get dropped off at the games uh, because I'm there. I got the pregame show to do. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to to find a good place to park when you're, you know, you got to park early in the morning and, and then try to make your way back, you know, way, way after the fact. It's just such a cumbersome thing. Anyway, so I had Golden come pick me up. Should have been doing it this way the whole time. You know how you do something, you're like, man, why did I wait to travel to the games like this? Because I've ridden on Golden before, uh, certainly when it comes to, you know, airport transport, for instance. That's how, um, you know, if I'm not driving as, as opposed to, you know, going and parking in the lot the whole time, uh, especially when I'm carrying a lot of equipment. If it's just like a carry-on bag, that's one thing. But I don't carry all my camera equipment. If we're going to do like a remote shoot, I mean, it's very, very cumbersome to be lugging all of these 50-pound crates. You know, you got to make two, three trips back to the vehicle just to get the, all the crates over to a baggage claim. But Golden picks you up at your front door. They load all the luggage for you, right? Load all the crates for you. Get to the airport, unload for you. When you get picked back up, they do the same thing. And the great, one of the best things about Golden is when you set up your your transport, let's say you need transport, you have transportation needs at your location, they can handle those for you as well, just like they did when we flew to Paris, we flew to Rome. We had a transportation service ready to pick us up, set up by Golden. That is the Golden difference. So whether it's on game days like this, and I was heading over to the, uh, to the big house, no better way to travel to the big house. Knew all the right routes. That's the other thing. You know, you get these Uber drivers and whatnot, no disrespect intended. 
you see them looking down at their phone all the time about where do they go? How, how do I get here? Where do I go there? What's the shortcut? Don't have to worry about that with Go. Experienced drivers, safe drivers, luxury vehicles. And then if you're getting beyond the executive transport like this, the buses. When Michigan football travels, they ride on Golden. You see those black buses pulling up to the games? That's Golden Limousine. If you need a party bus, like we're going to do when the Dropping Dimes crew comes to town, we're going to get on a party bus and go to our favorite places in Ann Arbor. Got you covered with the party buses as well. Travel from A to Z, safety, luxury, you name it, and community-driven. That's one of the great things about Golden as well. They give back to the community, case in point, with their with their owner and founder, Sean Duvall, very invested in the community, whether it's with our friends at Destination and Arbor, uh, with the Ypsilanti public school system, you know, all kind of charitable endeavors that he is a part of here in Ann Arbor. So when you ride on Golden, you give back to the community as well. You can find them at goldenlimo.com. With that, Mr. Marich, dude, another one in the books for us here on the Michigan Recruiting Insider Looking forward to your coverage. You got Blake Frazier and Andrew Andrew Sprague, right? Yes, Yo, sir. He didn't ask Alan about Ryan Wingo, but you're gonna get. The you know what? I'll ask. What do you want? What do you want me to ask? I yeah. got you. Yeah, you I'm like I'm our I'm our golden limousine. I'll go get it done, just like right. them. They always get it done. I'll do the same. Yeah. So Sprague, Andrew Sprague is playing. Um, uh, Andrew Wingo's school, St. Louis University. Yep. Ryan Wingo's team, and there's been talk about Ryan Wingo. Coming for up the Ohio State game. Coming for the Ohio State game as well. So, you know, maybe Nitro Tuggle and Ryan Wingo come up for that game. You'll be able to find out if indeed the five-star wideout is going to make his way up still. Uh, but a tremendous player, a guy I went to see uh, at his school last year in Michigan has maintained contact. Uh, you know, I think two things are very, very valuable with both these prospects, with Ryan Wingo and Nitro Tuggle. How – Roman Wilson is doing. I talked about this. Roman Wilson racking up these touchdown numbers, right? And he's basically only playing three quarters. That is significant. So a receiver can go off in this offense. Want to be able to show that. And then what is the NIL looking like for the players? We had Jared Wangler on last week, and he said just through champion circle, just through that collective, it was $6 million to the student-athletes at the University of Michigan. So that's not counting all the other deals that they got. Those numbers matter to guys like that, right? So, you know, they can if they can make it up to campus, A, see some production from the receivers, B, see some tangible returns, NIL, C, who knows what that were. Maybe I should have said one, two, three. So one, two, three, what does that add up to? With those guys, we got to wait yeah. and see, mm-hmm. right? Bryce got to wait and see. I don't know. And, and, and just I'm dropping this in. What if it, JJ comes back and they got a quarterback like that? So Which you might know something about, Sam. I don't so know. It, here's all I'll say. I teased it on the, uh, on the show with Al Borges. It is not far-fetched, people. Okay. Uh, if, if, you were, if you were asking me to predict what JJ is going to do, I would say he's going to the NFL. So let, let's let's start there. I think it's most likely that he goes to the NFL. Do I think it's a slam dunk that he's going to the NFL? No, I don't. This is not a far-fetched, far-fetched discussion to be having if you're a Michigan fan, the, the possibility of J.J. McCarthy coming back. So, yeah, I'm just telling you, 
it's not nothing. Right? I'm telling you, I'm telling you there's a chance. That's what I'm telling you. Not a not a unbelievable chance or a great chance, or it's more like you told you tell Ryan uh, Wingo that you tell Nitro Tuggo that. You know, <laughs> maybe they like it Michigan different, right? You never know. We shall see. But be on the lookout for more on that over on the MichiganInsider.com. That's going to do it for this episode. If you like this podcast, be sure to rate it. Be sure to review it. Be sure to tell all your friends about it. They can find it wherever they get their podcast. That's Google, that's Spotify, that's iTunes, you name it. Of course, if you're watching us on YouTube, be sure to like the video, subscribe to the channel. That way you'll keep us going and growing, and you will also get a notification every time we put up another video. And, of course, where it all goes down, where you get all the latest information, themichiganinsider.com. That's where for pennies a day, you will always be up on it when it comes to the maize and blue. Until next time, thanks for watching another edition of the Michigan Recruiting Insider. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts.